Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. USC defeats San Jose State 32-7. The first game recap show of 2021. We're going to do that with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Love to talk to him. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, if you want to tweet at him. Or you can go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. I'm really excited to talk to the coach and break down what happened with this game. We have an absolute ton of questions. People are excited about Trojan football again, so we're going to try to get to each and every one of them. If you want to send us a question, you can do that podcast at uscfootball.com or if you want to call or text us, uh, you can do that 424-254-9141. We got a few voicemails to play for you today, a lot of emails. And if you're on the Apple Podcasting app, please follow the Peristyle Podcast and leave us a five-star rating. And any kind of review that you have, comments, feedback, suggestions for us. We actually do a little promo. If uh, every week we're going to look at the Apple Podcast reviews, all the five-star ones, the best one we like, we will send you a $50 gift card to Trader Joe. So, uh, yeah, definitely do that and uh, leave us a, a review. It helps us to grow the show. It also helps to grow the show when we got football back, Coach, which we do. Very excited that we get to talk about some USC football that we actually got to see in person or on TV with our eyes not just talking about what could happen. We saw what happened. And, Coach, I want to welcome you in and can't wait to uh, talk about the game. Well, thank you very much. And I want to say to everyone out there, I hope you've had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. We do our show, as you know, our podcast on Monday. So uh, we like to talk on football. We're doing it. We hope you like to listen about football in the first game of the year. It's a 30-7 to win. So uh, you're always happy to win, even if it's ugly. I used to say, I'll take the ugly win, and let's correct it, if that's what it's called, and or whatever uh, people used to say about our win or loss when I coached. But, uh, Ryan, I'm looking forward to it. And, again, uh, let's get started. Yeah, let's get started, Coach. So, uh, you know, it's been a long off season. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. We weren't sure what was going to happen as far as this college football season. It looked like it was going to work. So far, it's working okay. We got to see – Fans in the stands, they announced attendance about 54,000. Didn't look like that, that there was that many people in there, but it was a lot of people. The student section I thought was full. Uh, I liked the game, the atmosphere. You got to see the Trojan marching band. You get to see Traveler. It just felt more normal, Coach. What, did you, what were your overall impressions of just like the atmosphere of what was going on at the Coliseum? Well, I'll tell you, it was great. It's always great to see the, the students there. And I think the students were really having fun and they were into it. You know, I think the student body basically should be able to come in, but they take fees. They pay fees for their on their student body card anyway. So I think they should give them a break on all the tickets. You always want the students there. Why? They cheer and they have fun, and they and you know there's people supporting you when you're a football player. They're a little bit more crazy than when I sit there. And at my age, I'm not going to stand up and cheer or yell that much. I'm going to watch a football game. So you need a little bit of that as far as for the spirit that players need too. So I thought that was great. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what else as far as the, the field, the Coliseum, everything was beautiful. Uh, 
The music part of it, you know, I'm not big on that music being played during the game and so on. I'm for letting the band play and the spirit of football be there. So, uh, you know, I'm not big on going to a concert on Saturday. I'm going to a football game. But I guess I might be uh, called old when I say that. I don't know how the rest of you feel. But uh, I think it's great. I think college football is great. It was a great Saturday afternoon. They got the big W. Now we just got to work a little bit more, work more because every W is hard to get. You can't celebrate it too long. If you do, you're going to lose your next game. So it's time to move on. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you uh, you you take you try to get the lessons learned right out of something like this and uh, move on. And we'll we'll talk about San Jose State in a, you know in a bit as far as like how powerful they are. I mean, the the way the rest of the Pac-12 is looking, it looks like San Jose State not might you know it's not a bad opponent. Uh, we'll see how they end up, uh, you know, doing throughout the season. But they, you know, they they might end up being a pretty good team, better than some of the teams in the Pac-12 that um, USC is playing. But I agree with you. Like the spirit out there, uh, it was great to see. Just a you know completely different atmosphere, the sort of um, sterile atmosphere we've had in games uh, from last year and all the limitations. So uh, it was good to see. You know, didn't seem to be any kind of. Health problems, you know, outside of Isaiah Polamalu not being able to play in this game, uh, it looks like he'll probably be back uh, for the Stanford game. But overall, yeah, I, I agree with you, Coach. I love the, you know, the way the field looked. Everything, everything just is had a college football feel to it again. It didn't. Let me add this: it was good seeing people drinking a beer. Okay, I don't think they had any problems with that. It's good to go to a football game and have a beer on a hot afternoon. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, part of it is having a dog and a beer. When I was a kid or an adult, and it's great having that back in the stadium, and I think that's going to make it a better experience for everybody. So I'm glad that happened too. For sure. Um, let's. Uh, we'll. So we have a lot of questions. We'll do some maybe like a brief offensive defensive. You know, get some thoughts from you, and then we'll go into the questions. But offensively, you know, only putting up 23 points. Seven of them came off a, a pick six. Uh, you know, some some good drives early, some good drives late, but in the middle, I think it was. Six possessions in a row. Five of them were punts. Uh, no points on any of those possessions. I, I don't know, Coach. I mean, the the red zone issues were still there. I, I really felt coming to the season that the defense was going to be good, and the, if there's going to be questions, it's going to be on the offense. I thought it'd be because of the offensive line. I don't know if the offensive line played bad or anything, but it just looked like clunky. It just looked like there wasn't any rhythm to the offense. What did you think about the offense? No, you're exactly right. We're back to that term I used when Dean Martin was there. It's 31 flavors. <clears throat> you just run a play, and you don't know why you ran that play. You just run that play. It doesn't make any difference if it's first and 10 or third and seven or fourth and one. Uh, you're going to just run some play that comes out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, you don't have any series. And I'm getting really, you know, if you're a regular listener, you're, you're sick of me talking about this. But you got to have a philosophy that what you do when you're in the red zone, what you do when you're in the you know, the goal, goal line, what you do in these different parts of the field, and everybody knows what they are. Their closing series at the end of the half, their two-minute drill I thought was horrible. I mean, uh, people uh, maybe people are happy with it. But not when you're USC. I mean, you've got to have a plan on the offensive side of the football. And what it is, what's happening on the offensive side of the football, people are just making plays. Like, like Drake Lenton, he just make a play. And why does... Why does Sol- Solis always go to him? Because he'll make a play. Slovis, yeah. I mean, yeah, yes. You just can't, <laughs> what I call him? I think he said Solich. It's, uh, yeah, Keaton Slovis. Uh, Solis, yeah, yeah no right, problem. you're right. I'm sorry. No worries. We and, 
people like write in sometimes. So I just want to make sure we correct it. You know. Well, please correct it. Tell him I apologize. Maybe I'll just call him by his number from now on. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, you know that's that's why that happens. You know, you you get really when you need a play, you always go to the same guy. But they're going to take that away eventually because you're not using your other receivers and you don't have people in the. You know, I'm I'm confused about the personnel as far as on the receiver side of it. I'm. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you doing with your other receivers? I mean. Why did he? Why do you even even need him at practice? I mean, you got to use the whole field, and you got to be able to give them confidence and reps so their morale is happy. And when players don't get on the field, like like uh, Ford and and Jackson and some of these guys, you know, it's hard to keep their morale up. Or if you only have a couple of catches here or there, you know. You start to say, well, we're going to throw everything? Why should we even go out there? So I really think, and don't get me wrong, he's a, Drake is a great player. But you got he, he gives such an effort on every play that he gets punished on every catch he gets. Now, he delivers a blow, but he's getting hits from six guys on every play he catches the football because he's going to fight for that extra yard or fight for whatever he can get. So you know they're going to come in and they're going to swarm on him all the time. So you don't want to lose him. So you got to be able to utilize him in a way where, you know, he's not overworked, but yet he's thrown that you get the football to him whenever you can and you create those type of situations. So, you know, I, 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 just, uh, I, I just can't explain to the people enough why, you said it, Ryan, and I've said it a hundred times. There's no rhythm on offense. There's no purpose for anything. There's no series. I mean, I call it the lazy offense because I don't see the quarterback continuing his fake. Or they ran one bootleg and it was they made maybe 15 yards on it with a drag route. Did they ever run it again? Never. I mean, that was just grab grab bagging it. Just pull that one out, run it once, and never run it. Again. And they're coming after him. They know where he is. You got to move the pocket. You got to have some play action. You got to be able to have him continue to fake outside at times, so that holds the rushers. They can't just get back and come after you. But they've been doing this for three years. He took some great hits again. He's lucky. He's a tough kid, and he got up. But after a period of time, your body can only take so many hits like that, and then all of a sudden it starts to intimidate you, and it throws your timing off, but you don't want to get hit like that. And sometimes you step out of the pocket too fast, and the whole thing is, is a breakdown of the play. So I just don't understand. They talk about the running game. We really got the running game going. We really, you know, it's balance attack. It's not a balance attack just because you have the same amount of plays. I mean, you've got to be able to have a reason to run the football and a reason to pass the football. It's got to be like a, a song being written or something that where people have a rhythm to it where you like to dance to it or you do it for a certain purpose. How many times do they find third and long? Thank God for the defense. I'm going to tell you, the defense won that football game, and you're not going to be able to do that every week, except maybe in the Pac-12 they are, after I saw the most horrible weekend in the history of Pac-12 football as far as the scoreboard and who they got beat by. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But you mentioned the defense, and, uh, you know, it's funny. Sometimes the fans on Twitter or on the message boards kind of get into, they just want to complain about stuff and, you know, for me, I thought the defense played really well. Some people are like, oh, uh, Nick Starkle threw for 300 yards. Like, he had 98 yards at half. Like, got a bunch of yards at the end of the game when USC was up, you know, 30 to three or whatever. Uh, I mean, 30, yeah, 30 to seven. I, 
I feel like the defense played well. There were some bend but don't break elements. Um, they came up with a couple turnovers. There was a couple more that they could have got. I know there wasn't any sacks, but as far as pressure goes, I actually asked Clay Hilton about that on Sunday night, and he felt that the pressure that the defensive line was getting on Starkle really uh, you know, put him into some weird situations where he was throwing the ball not as accurately as he normally would, helping to cause some of those turnovers. So even though they didn't get the stats for sacks and things like that, he felt that the pass rush was effective enough that it, it impacted the San Jose State um, passing game. Certainly a very veteran uh, offensive line, and you know I think they played well. That might be one of the better ones that better offensive lines USC sees in the first you know month or so of the season. But overall, coach, what did you think of the defense? Well, I did. I thought they did uh, play uh, a good game, a game that put a lot of pressure on. Uh... Their offense, uh, he isn't used to getting rushed like that because they don't play the type of caliber athlete that USC has. Uh, I thought that, you know, with third down conversions, first half, uh, San Jose didn't make a conversion on third down. And this whole entire game, I think it was 3 of 14. I, I tell you, when you do that, you got to win every football game. And uh, by by the field position and, and having to kick field goals instead of scoring football uh, touchdowns and, and all that, I, you know, the defense can only be on the field so long, and he's only going to give you so many opportunities. And that turnover was big right then. It was the momentum of that football game. It was 16-7. to And when Greg jumped that pass and ran it in for a touchdown, yes, it put the game you would think out of reach, but it didn't really. They were still back, and they could get back in that game because I just didn't have that type of confidence because we've been through that before, as you know, last year. So you got to learn to put people away. I thought San Jose State played hard, did their best. But I got to tell you now, the, don't get me wrong. When I talk about the Trojan football players, they play hard. They do what they're told. They swarm you. They do what they can. They got a lot of pride on the offensive side of the football. The backs run hard. Everybody's doing their best job. It just you got to put them in a position where they can best achieve what they're trying to do. And on the defensive side of the football, I was happy with the way the players played as far as the defensive ends part of it. I, I liked the way that uh, Nichols, I thought he had a good game because Foreman and, uh, and uh, Jackson didn't play that much where Foreman played. But I'd like to see him play more. 49, I thought, did a great job, too. Uh, the other defensive end, they got in there. He came after the, the passer really hard. They swarmed around really well. But, you know, when, when – when I when Jake Greg Jackson, yeah, he made a nice play on intercepting that ball and running back whatever it was, nine yards or whatever. But that's not what I see out there. He made one tackle in the game. One tackle for a guy that's gonna come out early. I mean, let's play I mean, you know, bumps and bruises or whatever you have, you gotta play you gotta put him in a position where a guy that's gonna be a first-team All-American is making somebody say he deserves to be a first-team All-American, and I didn't hear his name called the entire game. So, you know, I'm looking for those type of things when somebody's supposed to be that great a player. Now, Foreman, I thought he really played hard for a young freshman. He's learning on the field, but the only way he's going to learn is under fire. So I'd play him a lot more than what they're playing him. I really believe that. Um one of the issues, and uh, you talk about not hearing someone's name called, the linebackers didn't hear a whole lot from them. Uh, not, you know, I mean, Drake Jackson had that huge play; it was an incredible interception. Um, but you know, did you hear much about 
Raylan Goforth or Kanai Malga or oh. uh, Raymond Scott. I just didn't. I don't know. What did you, if you got to notice that? How, what did you think of the linebacker play, the inside linebacker play? No, you didn't hear a lot about that, but they didn't rush the football on them. So, you know, they threw the football a lot, so they didn't get into the routes that often or they're covering passes a lot. But it's hard for me to tell because I don't have a film to watch and see and see what their responsibilities are. But you're right. They didn't get their names called a lot, but uh, uh, they didn't rush the ball that well. And, and let's be honest, San Jose State Nivens, they're back. He wouldn't even be playing at USC, okay? Good kid. Does well in the Mountain West Conference, Rushwood, but put him on the depth chart at USA, okay? They, they go against better backs than that every week. Every week in practice, they go against better backs than that. So, you know, you've got to look at the caliber of the players you're playing against. That's why I say practice hard during the week, and if you do great recruiting, you're going to be playing a, uh, a tougher team during the week than you are on Saturday. Yeah. And that's what they did on Saturday. They played a team that... Played hard, but like I told you last week, if if they didn't win by three touchdowns, I was going to be really disappointed, you know, and I should have bet on the game because the points came down to 14. I should have, but I don't, I'm not a betting guy, but I'm just telling you, you know, when you're just better than someone else because of the athletes you have and what you should be and at home, then you're supposed to win. As John McKay used to say, if my X is bigger than your O, if we don't screw them up, we're supposed to win on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we uh, jump into questions, I wanted to get your thoughts on special teams. I felt it was sort of like a below average effort overall. There wasn't really any big plays. A couple of screw ups, you know, kick out of bounds, that, you know, letting the punt, you know, roll down inside the five. Um, you know, some situations like that. But, you know, Parker Lewis, who had struggled a little bit in fall camp, uh, he hit all of his kicks. He did have the one kick out of bounds, but the rest were touchbacks. Um, Any, you know, kind of thought, you know, the punt game was sort of okay. Uh, they had one really good one that was down at the 10, and the other ones that kind of just tried to keep it high and, you know, didn't get a lot of distance out of it. But so I, I thought it was like a below average special teams effort. What did, what did you think, Coach? Uh, average. I was disappointed when you put a, a senior back there that's played – in the Pac-12 for years, and he doesn't have better judgment on when to run the ball or when to fair catch it and and do what he did in two uh, situations like that, a a portal transfer. I don't think that's smart, and uh, that can't happen because they practice that right in front of us when we're at practice. And, uh, you know, you've got to be able to know where you are in the field because look where you put your team, your offense, when when they come in as far as a field position is concerned. So you can't have that. You just can't have that. Me, myself, I'd probably make a change on that because the mental part of the game is important as the physical part of the game. But I don't substitute. I don't do this. I don't do that. But a senior doing that, no way in heck would I put up with that. And the coach knows that, too. I wouldn't even have to tell Snyder that. But he would know how I feel when he looked at me, okay? Yeah. Well, Gary Bryant uh, Jr. might be back. He was actually on the sidelines, so he was out for health and safety protocols stuff. So, you know, COVID exposure, basically. Uh, but he also has a bit of a hamstring issue. So they could get him back. And he was slated to be the starter in both, I think, punt and kickoff return. So we'll see if uh, if, he, if well, they get Chris him in the mix. Not if that bad at it. Chris, and Chris is not going to be too bad at it either, a speed guy like him, you know. Yeah. Or like a Taj Washington, so. Yeah, yeah. And where are they? Chris and never played. Did he play a play? 
he didn't get any as far as the running back stuff goes. They just did the uh, the one you know the two man thing. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if he played on special teams. I'll have to look. I didn't see. I have to look at the participation chart. But all right, that's all right. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break because we have a lot of questions to get to. Um, we want to answer everyone's emails and stuff, so we'll do that back in a second. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I'm going to read the questions kind of in the reverse order. We got them to like the earliest one. So sometimes people are writing in during the game. Uh, we also have a couple of voicemails too. But why don't we start off with Sergeant Strong up in Fort Lewis, Washington. He says, well, it's another season. And as excited as I actually was to see this team, I realized shortly after halftime why well, I had to stop watching for a while. This team gives me ulcers with all the stress. Uh, yes, it was a quote win. But for us to struggle for three quarters and only produce 23 offensive points is sad to me against the San Jose State team with a bunch of two-star athletes. I will say our defense looks better, but our offense looks the same to me. Do you guys think that we will still go 10-2 and two after watching this game? I know it's only one game, but it's almost like a new car on the outside and the same engine. Anyways, thanks for giving me something to look, look forward to to get me through the week. Fight on from Sergeant Strong. I still think, I mean, start, I'll, I'll start real quick, Coach. Sergeant Strong, did you watch the Pac-12? Like Coach, Coach sorry, I had mentioned, it looks bad. The, the Pac-12 North went one in five. Um, USC's playing Stanford, who looks awful. Then they play Oregon State, who lost to Purdue, which is not a good team. And then they're going to play Washington State, who lost to Utah State. Uh, yeah, I think this team can go ten and two, playing like they did on Saturday. Well, I agree. I think their toughest opponent is going to be UCLA, from what I've seen yeah. so far. I'm going to tell you that right now, I, as far as the teams I saw, not that Notre Dame isn't going to become a better football team, but Notre Dame doesn't have, from what I've seen, the speed and size and the offensive line and physicalness that they've had over the last couple of years. So uh, if USC was to progress and become the type of team we're all talking about it should be, hell, it should come down to the Pac-12 championship. Both teams should could be undefeated. I'm telling you, because... This year, maybe I would have wanted to play Oregon and Washington, except, you know, Montana goes in there and didn't win by accident, but beats Washington in Seattle. Can you believe that? 13 to 7. How does that happen? Nevada goes into Cal and beats Cal 22 17. Utah State beat Washington State. Utah State got beat by 30 points the week before. How, how does that happen? And we're talking about, you know, uh, 
uh, expanding and bringing teams in and so on. Maybe we ought to go with the Big West or the Big Sky and Mountain West Conference unless we can do better than that. You mentioned the North, one and five. Please, and Oregon had to score with two minutes and 57 seconds left in that game. Fresno State fumbles twice to beat Fresno State. So, I mean, uh, yes, I, I would think right now it's not 10 to 2. It's 11 and 1 or 12 and 0. And I think UCLA and USC, and I think it should be this way in Southern California. You always hear me talk about it. The championship should be played in the Rose Bowl one year or the Coliseum the next year. So I think it's great for Southern California football. I really do. Yeah. Uh, let's see this question we have, um, for what you've seen in practice over the years, how much did USC miss Gary Bryant against San Jose state? And could he step in in week two and take over some of the workload for Drake London? Um, I think they missed him on special teams for sure. I'm not sure. It's, I mean, he hasn't caught a pass, uh, as a Trojan. So, you know, not sure if they missed him on offense, but why don't, what do you think coach? Well, I think you always miss a great athlete. He's a great athlete, and I think he's great at what he does, and he should be in there, and I hope he comes back and he's healthy and ready to play. His experience is his turn. He's he's sacrificed. It's his turn to get the turns now on the field during the game, not just in practice. And I hope he gets that opportunity because I've seen him play in high school. I've seen him play a lot. He's a great athlete, great team, great speed. I mean, you can't let that be unused. You've got to let him be who he is and let him have that opportunity uh, to be that type of player. I think some players have to wait. They have to wait their turn. And I hate to see a lot of times portal players coming in and taking the place of great players who have already been at USC. And I think some of those might have been a mistake. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that now. But I think when you recruit great athletes, they got to have their opportunity when their time comes. Now, obviously, he's hurt, so... He didn't. He isn't able to use it. But when he comes back, I think he has that opportunity, and he's that type of player. And and you know he you you, you got to give him a chance to run the jet sweep. You got to give him a chance to open up a, this football, this offense. I I never saw the anything come back across the grain. I never saw the, him go under center in a short yardage situation. I never saw a double tight. I never saw any of this type of stuff where you use your great athletes. And uh, you've got to hold the backside, and you've got to show your quickness, and all this happened. And, yeah, you can't keep Gary Bryant off the football field. He deserves it. It's his turn. And uh, like you said, Washington, I think Washington's a fine football player. But he's just a freshman. I think he's a freshman. Let him get his turn with his time. And, yes, if you, he made a great play on that play, okay, for a touchdown. But it was one of those heaves that went up in the air. And uh, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to get it. And, they got it. So, you know, that's the way it goes. Well, thanks, Daniel, for that question. Um, we got our friend Joan says, Good morning, guys. I did not go to the game yesterday and felt really guilty, but didn't feel compelled for another Helton opener. I have no energy left for this uh, his type of football. Bravo to the defense. They almost pitched a no-hitter. They really look good. Kalen Bullock is a beast and very excited about our secondary. They tackled and had great energy, which is a huge turnaround and is half the battle. Uh, contrast that with our meh offensive energy, uh, which sputtered again and again, and with awful red zone play and play calling in the red zone, we left 21 points on the field yet again. I'm afraid if this doesn't change, it's going to be a long season, even for our easy schedule. Coach, uh, what would you change with the play calling in the red zone? And please comment about the defense. 
Thanks, Joan. We talked about the defensive bunch. Yeah, what what do you think about the play calling, Coach? Well, you got to stay on schedule. You know, you, you, when you get in the red zone, you just can't go and try to hit a home run right now. You're in a scoring area. You're in four-down territory. Four-down territory normally, okay? So if you make, if you stay on schedule and you get three yards, three yards, three yards, well, you're going you're gonna to have a fourth down. Maybe you'll make five yards. You have a first down. Why waste a, a waste of play? I mean, and if you have play-action pass, that's where it really works down there. When they know if you've been running the football, they don't know you hold the linebackers, you get outside, the quarterback can run or pass the ball in a drag or a corner or a back or the tight end in the flat, you've got options. One, two, three. One, two, three, and it's covered, you run the football. I mean, let's make it easy on ourselves. We make it so hard on ourselves, when I say ourselves, USC self, when by trying to always hit a home run or because we've told these kids we're going to pass the ball. We're, and, and I sometimes wonder if Graham Harrell knows anything else. Nice, he was a nice player, but I don't think he's ever been taught anything else or he doesn't know anything else. He doesn't want to talk about it. When you interview him, and I listen to the interviews after the game or whenever he's interviewed, he's always evasive. He never gets to it. He said, we're going to work on it. There's something we're going to work on. We're going to clean it up. Well, what do you clean what up? Give it a car wash? I mean, how are you going to clean it up? What are you missing? So I think that, you know, until you realize what you're missing as far as the four-down territory and how you just have to stay on schedule, then I don't think you're going to get it. And you're going to be getting those third and ten situations down there. And if you get eight yards or seven yards, you've got to kick a field goal. And that's what it's been year after year after year. And I think Clay Helton, the head football coach, he's responsible for that. But it all comes under the head football coach. If the defense plays well, it's because they're playing his defense, not Todd Orlando's defense, the defense that he approved. And if that isn't right, he'll tell Todd Orlando what he doesn't like about it. And as far as the offense is concerned, how can he sit there as a head football coach and tell you it's all nice? It isn't all nice. It's time for him to directly become responsible for Graham Harrell's actions because he's the guy that is allowing that to happen. Now, how many times do I have to say this? But that's what's going on. And again, you're paying this guy, what, a million a year. When you pay a guy a million a year, you hope that he can do the surgery. And I was talking to you about that earlier. An offensive coordinator is like a doctor. When you go into a football game, all you do is do surgery on the defense. Yeah. And I don't see that. I agree with you there, Coach. Um, all right, we got our buddy Don, who's you know not usually the most positive person. Uh, but <laughs> we're gonna. He sent a voicemail. I'm gonna play it for you, Coach, and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, Coach Hyde and Ryan. Uh, it's Don from Chicago. Welcome back to another season. Of course, it's more of the same BS from the Trojans, mediocrity. We had trouble beating another lousy team, and it's more of the same. Uh, everything else, all the other talk about players and schemes, that's just basically a waste of time. The only question I have for Coach Hyde is, when will this end, Coach? When will they fire Helton? I mean, it's the... Uh, the uh, it is the definition of idiocy to continue doing the same thing and expect a different result. He's had its chance. Uh, it's time for him to go. And I think 
the uh, the crowd, the sparse crowd at the Coliseum shows the way USC fans feel. So uh, wish the best Coast Hyatt on the new year, and please answer my question. When will Helton be fired? Thank you. Well, thank you. Now, first of all, let me start it off by saying I don't advocate anybody being fired, but I do advocate somebody being responsible for the actions that happen on a football field, okay? And uh, when you look at this year, you know, everybody went into the year saying, oh, well, somebody has to win these many games. Uh, everybody, that was the preseason talk. Oh, he's got to win eight games. He's got to win seven games. That's not good enough. Ten games, yeah, if he wins ten games, that's going to happen. Everything's going to be okay. Well, someone's got to determine, be determined on what's going on with the football program, and are they going to be able to do that consistently, and does it fit into the program and the philosophy of the university and what type of football program they want, okay? Someone's got to make the decision on are we doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's not just on win and losing. It's on are we getting better. Are we now uh, getting to be the type of team that can play Alabama, and are we going to have – some of these players that are starting on national TV on these other in the other states, uh, are they going to be at us? And are we going to be able to run the same type of offense and defense and do the same things that they do on Saturday to win football games? And that, that's where it starts. And whenever you keep winning, it's very difficult to make a change. And this year, when you look at the USC schedule, we talked about this a moment ago, if you don't get 10 wins, 11 wins, or go undefeated, hey, you haven't had a great season at all when you look about who who you have to play. I mean, Stanford against Kansas State, Kansas State just ate them up so much team speed. I don't know what's happened to David Shaw and the Stanford football program. It used to be physical and something you looked at. They can't even run the football anymore. So, you know, you look at Stanford and then you look at, uh, you know, the next game after that, I think they have who they who they have after that, right? I don't even know. Oh, after uh, excuse me, after, after Stanford, Washington State. Yeah, Washington State. You say, oh my gosh, what's happening at Washington State? They get beat by they get beat by uh, Utah State. You say, oh my gosh, that used to be a place you didn't want to go to. I think I'd scrimmage all week before I went up there because I make sure I'd get better during the week. Because if you can't go up there and beat that team after Utah State beat them, where they were beating 30 points a week before, I'd say, oh, my gosh. Then you go through the schedule and you look at who they play and so on, you say, well, who shouldn't they win? Well, Arizona State, uh, you know, they beat Southern Utah. But who is really Southern Utah? I mean, don't get me wrong, not the kids are in the program, but that's a money bag game for them. And they beat them, what, 41-7 to or some damn thing. But, you know, Arizona State, they should beat Arizona State. Really, when you think about it, they've got all these problems going on down there. You really don't even know what's going to happen. You look at their recruiting list. I think they only have four commits uh, uh, on the entire for their for their next recruiting class. There are a lot of question marks there. And th- let me ask you, who has the more incentive to win when you play these teams? It's USC. It's USC. It's the incentive that you have when you play these football games. Who gets the most out of it? I mean. People expect us to beat Washington State, so we better not go up there and stink the place up. Oregon State, we better beat Oregon State. Oh, we stunk it up. Colorado, they beat who? Northern Colorado? I mean, please. I mean, you got to beat these teams. And Utah, I didn't think they looked exceptional against Weber State, uh, but, but they won, and they're physical. 
But, you know, they're beatable, especially at home. And Notre Dame, you probably all saw that game. They're not the team they've been in the past. In Arizona, they're just trying to get going. BYU beat them. Cal, well, they were beaten by Nevada. Uh, and then you got UCLA beat LSU. Uh, was that a great LSU team? It was a great athletic team, but, you know, they didn't have the tools that they needed that quarterback to beat UCLA. And then really, or UCLA's defense must be something else because they only rushed for, I don't know, 70 or 80 yards or 90 yards against UCLA. So, hey, they're going to be in. They're starting to believe. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to be tough to beat. And BYU, they're so-so. Really, they're not really good. They don't have Wilson back. They're a different type of football team. And shouldn't USC beat them? So I would say, unless you're 11-1 and or 12-0, and I would say it's a disappointing season, especially in the Pac-12. And you've got to decide, if you're an administrator at USC, what they plan on having in the program, okay? Yeah. Is this program getting better? And that's what you have to look at. Yeah, and to be fair, Coach, Utah State didn't play last week. It was um, So that was their first game. Uh, they, they didn't play in 2020, though. They, they hadn't played since 2019. Um, I believe they didn't play. They didn't play an opening game. Utah State. No, it was uh, so Southern Utah played San Jose State, and San Jose State beat Southern Utah forty-five to fourteen, and then Arizona State beat Southern Utah forty-one to fourteen. So San Jose State actually put more points on Southern Utah than Arizona State did. Uh, kind of interesting, but yeah, losing to Utah State, uh, I don't think they were going to be a very good team, um, but obviously Washington State lost there, so that's uh Terrible. That's bad news. Um, we got Jack from New Jersey. He says, a nice win by the men of Troy Saturday, but I have the following big concern. At this point of the season, I would not place a W on the schedule for November 20th. The Crosstown rival is looking impressive after two games, while the Trojans still need a lot of work. Um, we also had J- – we'll do some UCLA stuff, but um, I hate to say this, but UCLA looks like the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA looks like a team that USC that USC should be. They were in the game for four quarters. They run the ball. Their defense was getting stops. USC has to USC has to clean that up. Um, yeah. So and then we also had a voicemail. I'll play it all so we can just kind of do the UCLA talk at once, Coach. So let me play the voicemail and then get your thoughts on that. Hey, first time caller, former Division One football player, late nineties. My question is to Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm sitting here watching the UCLA versus LSU game, and I cannot wait to hear your perspective on this game. The Russian attack, um, the development of the players from Chip Kelly over the few years he's been here. I'm going to keep it short, but um, really enjoy the show, fellas, and keep it going, and hopefully um, I can get on air sometimes and talk. But um, fight on. Well, you know, there's different type of coaching, okay? Chip Kelly's involved in the football game, if you notice that. I don't know if he's calling the plays, but he's approving the plays that go into the game. He's very much involved. He's almost on the field. He works the sidelines. He talks to the players. Uh, he knows what's going on, and, uh, you know, he acts like he, he's been there before, okay? Now, you compare the other sidelines with other coaches, and uh, you really uh, don't see that. Uh, you know, at USC, Coach Helton's philosophy is to leave everybody alone, I guess, because he must put in, I think, 25 miles during every football game walking up and down the sideline. And I don't know if he's calling any plays or has a knowledge of what plays being called or 
all of that. So it's a different way of coaching. And uh, you can win either way. I mean, but if you watch Dabo Sweeney, he's in your face. The assistants, the coaches, the players, you watch Kirby Smart. Look where he is, a guy at Ohio State. These guys are involved in the football game. Nick Saban is involved, but all he has to do is look at you, and you melt, okay, whether you're a player or a coach, because they know what, what he's telling them. But then, you know, you've got to be able to be a part of the game where you respect, the players respect you. So when you talk, they listen, and they don't want to hear the same thing all the time. They want to be told when they're good, and they want to be told when they know they deserve to be told they're not very good, or they didn't play well, or they're disappointing, or you didn't represent yourself, or it's all on me because I didn't get you ready to play. It's my fault as a head football coach. And if you listen to a lot of the coaches when they come off the field, when they're being interviewed at half or at the end of the game, you hear them say, we got a long ways to go. We're not very good. We got. You heard uh, Lincoln Riley say when he came off the field, he says, Hey, I got our coach. We got our coach. We got our played. We got out everything today. We better get things cleaned up. It's all on me. And, you know, people respect that because they're seeing the same game you just saw. And they're all saying the same thing. It isn't always how great and how proud you are and all this and that when, when it hasn't been what you expect it to be. And I think this is part of where we are at this situation right now. It's, it's time that corrections are made in certain phases of the game on where it does give these kids and the university the type of program they want. And I think that, uh, you know, it's difficult for me to sit here and tell you these things, but I think you guys, I respect you. And if I was to answer this any other way, you wouldn't be listening anymore because I'm telling you what you're thinking in most cases. And I don't want to be picking on anybody. I just want to be telling you that I'm not doing you any good on this podcast unless I answer your questions the way I see it as a former coach who's played Big Ten teams, who's played Pac-12 teams, who's played Mountain West Conference teams, who's done these different things. So I know exactly what it's about somewhat. So that's the best way I can answer it. It's just that there isn't a philosophy. There isn't, let's put it this way. Is there an identity to USC football? An identity. What is it about? Who is it? Is it Todd Orlando? Is it Graham Harrell? Or is it Clay Hill? What is the identity of USC football? The identity of USC football to me is I don't want to go into the Coliseum. Because when I get there, I better bring my Red Cross, my ambulances, and everything else. That's the identity I have of SC football. Yeah. I don't want to play in the Coliseum. They don't have that fear anymore coming to Southern California and playing in the Rose Bowl, or not the Rose Bowl, the Coliseum. That fear isn't there anymore because it's the type of philosophy of what you're instilled at USC now. You're yeah. doing it like everybody else. I agree with you, Coach. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, thanks for those questions there. I think it was Jay and Jack and our uh, first-time caller. We appreciate that, too. Uh, Don... Uh, wrote in, it says, other than Reggie and Drake, USC as of now doesn't really have any dynamic players. Who do you foresee make uh, making fans slash scouts say wow on this team? Um, and he said that gutsy little team across town looks like bad boys compared to SC. Um, who? Yeah, any kind of big playmakers you see on this team? I think Taj Washington definitely has that potential. 
Um, you know, Drake London for sure. Um, anyone else? Well, you know what, what people are looking at right now, they're saying UCLA looks good on the football field. They look good in their uniforms. They look good to what they're playing, and they're not seeing the same thing and expecting the same thing at, at USC. If you look at UCLA, everybody's contributing. It isn't just one or two players. Everybody's taking their part of being a part of the team. There isn't any one big star. There's a lot of running backs getting a lot of yards. There's a tight end that's making big plays that was a walk-on out of St. Francis, was a zero star who's turned in to be a, one of the top tight ends in the country. He wasn't a five-star. And USC has four or five four-star tight ends. Are they utilizing their players? Yeah, we might have some of those big-time players at USC, but who are they? Because they may be not put in the position to, to be big-time players. And maybe they aren't big-time players. Maybe they're just recruiting players that are supposed to be big-time players with some service said they were four-star or five-star. Maybe they're not. So you've got to be able to evaluate talent to be able to see how it fits your schemes and offense. And you build your offense around the players that you have and you recruit to the system that you believe in. And I, I, I just don't know if, yeah, you got a Drake London, but you get a lot of five-star players that disappear. They just disappear. I mean, they're not around him. You take the offensive lineman, I don't know of any big-star player. I mean, they're all good kids. Maybe they'll develop and so on, but the three interior linemen have started now for three or four years. They should be getting better every year, be able to blow people off the line of scrimmage. Uh, as far as the defensive line, they play hard. They play hard, but nobody's dominating where they have to double-team somebody that I notice. And I mentioned Drake London, or not Drake, Drake Jackson earlier. Hey, I want to put him in a position, if he's this good a football player, to make plays for me. I'm not going to drop him out in the flat where maybe they throw the ball and maybe they don't. I want him in somebody's face or running down the line of scrimmage and making a tackle from behind or harassing and jumping up in the quarterback's face. I mean, that's what I, you know, you, you make great players. But I'm not sure they're always in a position to become a great player. So, you know, uh, I, it's hard for me to say who's a great player, who isn't, when you don't put them in a certain position where you're all contributing, just like Drake London. Was everybody contributing on the passing side of the football in the Coliseum? No, just one side. You've got to be able to, you know, everybody be a threat on the offensive side or the defensive side of the football. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more, Coach. Let me play a voicemail for you from our buddy Curtis. Hey, Ryan. It's Curtis from Moreno Valley. This is for you and the coach. I'm pleased with the win, but some uh, parts of the win were troubling. Uh, everybody's gushing over Keontae Ingram's 80 yards, which was pretty damn average to me. He didn't look fast. Where's this burst everybody's talking about? Oh, I'm just used to seeing Keenan Christian run. Excuse me. A guy who could go the distance on every play, didn't even get to play for one play, didn't get to play for one series, 
You got a guy that can go the distance anytime he touches the ball and you didn't let him play? Stupid. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Kurt's not very happy. Coach, what, you know, what can you tell him? How can you uh, talk him off the ledge there? Well, it's not tailback you anymore, okay? And great running backs. I mean, these kids are all good kids. But, you know, they're not some of the kids that I see playing on Saturdays on other teams. And Chris would give you another look that he's saying, and what Curtis is saying, that he might get one yard, two yards, and the next play he might get 60 yards. He's a jet, and he can be used if you design your offense around speed where you can use him on different types of things that you can use his speed. If they use two backs or cross action and put him in the flat, let him catch a flat path to go up the sidelines, circle routes, all these different things that you can, use, you can do. Uh, it's, I understand Curtis's frustration because you team speed, there's nothing like team speed. Team speed is what it's all about. Team speed and athletic ability and size and strength and all of that goes together. And you've got to be able to have a back that's going to break and go all the way. And right now, he's the only one in the backfield right now that I would say is a, a great team speed guy that's going to give you the home run. And they don't utilize him, and that's why Curtis is frustrated. And, you know, you can could, you could put him in a pistol, go under center, hand him the ball, have Malapi be the up back. You can do a lot of things, one off tackle, give him the opportunity to run and use his God-given ability to cut back or do whatever he do. They don't do that. And why don't they do that? Because we don't do that here. Or they don't have a short yardage philosophy as far as double tight or you know, play action pass and all the different things, flood zones and all this and that. They don't, that's the flood. They don't do that here. So I don't have an answer for you, Curtis. I, I don't have an answer for you. And I think earlier in the segment I asked Ryan, I said, did he play one play? Obviously, you know, I guess he didn't play one play. But uh, I saw him in a scrimmage over there, and you saw him too break one play on that Saturday scrimmage where he can hit that seam and when you hit that seam, you want to say, bye-bye, he turns those afterburners on, and he is gone. And that's the type of player you have to have sometimes to, to win big ball games. Yeah, I would agree with you there, Coach. Um, our buddy Reggie in Seattle says, I haven't emailed in a while. I wanted to comment on Graham Harrell. Is it just me? Uh, and then he says something derogatory about Graham Harrell, but he doesn't like him as a play caller and an offensive coordinator. He says, I'm sure he's doing the best he can. He just simply isn't very good. You guys wondered on a recent tunnel vision why USC rarely has easy plays on offense. Most offensive coordinators set up those easy plays and bust coverages. Graham simply isn't that good. He's simple at best and simple defines the USC offense. I don't care if USC wins 10 games this year. Helton's a mediocre coach at best, and I'm waiting for the day his era at USC is over. USC fans deserve much better. Uh, if I have to listen to Coach High, uh, I'm sorry, Coach Helton, preface a statement with, "To be honest with you, I'm going to go nuts." Coach, yeah, Clay Helton does say, "To be honest with you," quite a bit. Uh, I like uh, Clay Clay Helton personally, but not as the head football coach at USC. Uh, finally, great win for the team. The kids played hard. I've, I've seen Drake London after the game. He looks, he just looked beat. 
Like he was going to drop dead. This can't continue. Uh, best as always, Reggie in Seattle. And uh, Coach, I, I did talk about that, where in the NFL, you're throwing into tight windows all the time. There's always good coverage. It's just har- hardly ever a bust. In college, you can scheme things where there's a dude coming wide open out of the backfield. We saw Derek Deese, the tight end for San Jose State, on a, you know, they, they faked a, a handoff inside. He was looking to block, and he just, you know, peeled off outside and was wide open for a big play. I didn't really see anything like that where there was just easy plays. It was all, like you mentioned, stud athletes making great plays instead of guys being schemed open, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. That's exactly what this offense is. Uh, it's just somebody, they, they'll throw a fade, they'll throw another fade, and they'll hope that one of these times Lennon will go up and catch it or whatever or bust his way through a bunch of guys and get hit about 100 times and make another extra yards, which I think it's awesome, the, the effort he gives, okay? But he isn't going to last either. If you, if you keep taking those shots every week, he's going to be sore and everything else. They don't do anything basic. They don't have a basic formation. They don't use a basic tight end. Where you can do the, uh, where you run the football and the tight end comes down inside and sneaks behind the linebackers or across the field or runs a corner route or sneaks out in the quarter round like uh, uh, UCL. They don't do that. They move them around every time. You don't know where the tight end. They don't have a philosophy. It's just a little bit of everything. And that's why I call it 31 flavors. It's a little bit of everything. You don't see a tight end. You see an up back or you see a uh, Y back. But you don't see that tight end on the line of scrimmage more than once or twice when there's a couple of series going on where you set up something. There's nothing that's set up. It's just take this, do that. I'm talking about if they do this, I do that. If they're, if they're stopping to run inside, then I'm going to keep the bootleg and stretch it around to the outside, or I'm going to keep the keep and, and run for five or six yards. But they're going to know that I'm going to do this occasionally. Well, you see, they're never going to do that. So why even cover it? Yeah. So yeah, why even cover it? Because they're not going to do it. And all they do is make it hard on themselves. They make it hard on themselves. And uh, you saw Robinson the other night, the quarterback from UCLA, when he runs the football, they're running the ball inside, he stretches the ball outside, and it's cab- it's chaos. He's jumping over guys, making extra yards, and I shouldn't do that. But you stretch the defense, and you can stretch the defense by not having a lazy offense. By they have to watch him if he continues out and once or twice a game keeps the ball on crucial plays where he can make that big play where it makes a difference during the entire game, but they have to defense it. Yeah, Never. You never see it. No, we didn't. That's a good point, Coach. Uh, one last one. This was actually a voicemail from our buddy Al in PA, but it was almost two minutes long. Sorry, Al. It was. Uh, I, I'll give the gist of it though. We we don't want to play it because it's too long. But he said, he said the only problem I have, and he said, well, besides the head coach and besides the offensive coordinator, is the quarterback. So he really wants a running quarterback. Um, he wants to see someone that can. And you know, you kind of talked about that a little bit, Coach. Any thoughts on a more uh, athletic quarterback? Well, yeah, you know, normally, and I've said this, you've heard this over the years, that when you use a one-back offense, your second running back is your quarterback. Got to have a second running back. Otherwise, you know, they all kill one guy, and you can play, you know, you got more guys playing the pass than you do the run. You got an extra guy on defense. 
But when your quarterback is a running back, now you got two running backs in there. And you run series that helps each other uh, make it happen. So, yeah, no, when when you don't run your quarterback, he, they got one running back, okay? And when they put two backs in there, they're going to pass the football, they have two blockers, or he's going to swing, I'm going to tell you right now, or they're going to run that one sweep where he turns around, hands the ball, and they run out of off tackle with the lead blocker. That's it. I yeah. can tell you what they're going to do. And, and you know, and 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 I'm not, I'm gonna stop what they do until they make me to change. Okay, so unless you have an athletic quarterback, and I'm not saying you have to be real athletic, but you got to be put in a situation where you can hold the defense and make them accountable to you, on that they have to defense because occasionally you're going to do those certain things, and uh, you know, uh, that's best way I can explain it. I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, uh, great stuff. We had a lot of questions. We appreciate everyone coming back in. We're seeing a lot more people uh, downloading and listening to the show. So thank you so much for that. And uh, tell a friend, you know, USC Trojan fans, uh, if you want to listen to the show and at the gym, in the car, you know, driving to the game, whatever you're going to do, we do appreciate all of that. So thanks for uh, all of your listenership and thanks for making, you know, being part of the show and sending in your questions. And uh, Coach, thank you for, uh, taking some time out and answering the questions. It's always fun. And uh, I'm glad we got football back. Well, thank you very much. And again, if you want to go to my website and uh, take a look at some of the other things I'm doing or find out more about me, just go to harveyhide.com. That's harveyhide.com. And locally here in Southern California on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, this Sunday we won't be on AM 830 because the Raiders are on that station. But the following week we'll be back for another show, 10 a.m. to 11, Chuck Hayes and myself. So, Please feel uh, not uh, not just feel like if you want more football, that's not just a a USC show, okay? That is a show we talk about everything. So again, Ryan, thank you very much. Oh yes, of course, and uh, thank you, Coach, and thanks everyone else for listening. Hope you all enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats.